Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with principal dancer Carlo Zolano. This episode was recorded on Friday, March 15th, 2019, before a performance of Helgi Thomason's The Sleeping Beauty. Hope you enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome. I always want to give folks a chance to just sort of move down so that you can be close and we can have a cozy conversation. So welcome to this evening's Meet the Artist interview. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet. It's my pleasure, always, to be in conversation with principal dancer Carlo Delano. Hi. Obviously, you are here to see the amazing and wonderful Sleeping Beauty, and one of the the greatest ballets of all time, and a ballet that all classical dancers spend their lives preparing to dance, probably. So, Carlo, in unfortunately not this evening, but other casts, is dancing the role of Prince Desiree. And uh, so we're going to be able to talk a little bit about Sleeping Beauty, about the prince, and then maybe some other interesting things happening down the season. Um, Carla, you've been in the company, I believe this is your fifth season? Yes. Yes. And you entered the company, so five years ago, as a, a soloist and were quickly promoted to principal. Um, a little bit about your training and preparation. Um, this company has such a broad repertoire, and you dance all of it, but Prince Desiree and the Sleeping Beauty really asks you to do special things. So talk about that classical in intensity in your training. Yeah, so uh, most of the training for, for ballet, since you know I started when I was 10, um, it's really just classical training. Like that's what prepares you to, to dance classical ballets. And I want to say that you know after you know if you have that training, you're basically ready to dance most of the stuff out there, besides like the full-on contemporary crazy stuff that we don't really touch much. Like we mostly do neoclassical. Like most of the ballets that we do, uh, there's a very classical language, so that's what you need to own. Um, for Sleeping Beauty, um, you know, the, the steps are quite basic, to tell you the truth. Like, that's stuff that we do pretty much every day. Uh, it's just the way they put together that can be quite challenging. And also, there's a whole style involved uh, with, with, that, with this particular ballet. And actually, for Sleeping Beauty, I've, you know, I've, um, in Europe, um, when you audition to, to go dance for a company, um, you have to prepare a classical solo. So meaning you, you get to the place, wherever city you, you're auditioning for, wherever company you're auditioning for, you get to the city and you have to take class. And then if you get through the class, you have to do a variation. And uh, my teacher in school, um, he was Russian, and he was like, you know, you, you have to pick a variation for this year. What do you want to do? And I was like, you know, I offered him a few variations. And he was like, um, I think you should do Sleeping Beauty. I was like, you know, I don't really feel like doing Sleeping Beauty. It's a bit hard. And he was like, no, 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 you should do Sleeping Beauty. I was like, no, I don't want to do Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> and eventually, you know, not really democratically, he decided that I was going to have to do Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> so, and um, so I've been doing that solos for life, forever at this point. <laughs> and uh, it's, still, it's still challenging. 
it's still quite hard, yeah. And the challenge, um, maybe because these are steps you've practiced since you were an intermediate student, <clears throat> and you practice for your auditions, um, but when you get out there and do that variation, you, if you're going to go to fifth position, it has to be fifth position. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, you, you know, you have all the other elements that, you know, when you're in a studio, you don't have. One of them, the wig, that, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make fun of it, but it's, it's hell. <laughs> like, seriously, you know, you have this thing planted in your head, and you can't sweat it out. Like, the sweat doesn't come out, so you like, <laughs> yeah, you're, like, boiling in there, and... Um, and it's pulling on your face. <laughs> there is a lot of, you know, stuff that we probably don't want to know because we just want to enjoy how ethereal everything is. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of... Com and then you have the lights. You have the lights from the side, from the top, the costume. You're sweating. I mean, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, well, since we're talking about um, the challenge of something like costuming... Um, I was just thinking, as a as a female dancer, I always had to make sure that my hair was nailed down so that when I did multiple pirouettes, it wouldn't fly out. So guys haven't really had much of that to worry about until you have no, a wig on. Until you get <laughs> yeah, a wig. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the wig is styled in a way that it's, uh, it's tied in the back. Um, so at first, actually, when you start... You know, when you turn for the first time with the wig, you have this thing flapping in your face a little bit. And so that's a little bit, you know, it can be a bit uh, disturbing, but then you get used to it, so that's not really the main problem. Um, moving on. Um, does it... I, I want to ask about the character now, not just the dance and the variation, but the character of the prince in Sleeping Beauty. And I was wondering if maybe the costuming helps you to assume that character in that period. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, it, it does. Of course it does. Like, you know, when you put the costume on, you feel like, you know, you, you, you're becoming the prince. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like the whole production is meant to make you feel like you are in the character. Um, that it's actually, it's not really a very, I mean, to me, it's, it's very hard to give it a meaning to this character. It doesn't really have a lot going on. Um, so it's, it's, it's not an easy character to, to find because, you know, you want to try and give it something, but there's not really much to give, basically. Um. I'm sure that everyone here knows the story of Sleeping Beauty. Um, so the prince doesn't even appear until halfway through. Um, you know, we've gone 100 years, 116 years exactly, from when the curtain went up. Um, in, this, in the fairy tale... Um, do you do you try to find a little backstory for this guy? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I mean, even if it's just for me, you know, I, I kind of need to have something going on. Um, in my opinion, you know, and and that may be a bit of a cliche with also with Swan Lake and everything. I I, I find that the prince in in Sleeping Beauty is not necessarily a happy guy, in the sense that is. Um, you know, he has everything he can possibly imagine. You know, he's rich. He has, you know, the countess and all those people, you know, wanting to, to sleep with him or whatever. And, um, 
And he's just, you know, he's, he's happy that all of this is going on for him and that he has this amazing life, but maybe there's something that he's craving, there's something that he's missing. Um, and maybe he just wants to find his true love, somebody that can love him for what he is, for who he is, and not for what he owns. So that's the story that I give myself that, you know, hopefully it's legal. But, uh, show, show the audience that there's a, quite a bit of pantomime in this production that we don't always get to see. And no. um, what, is, what is the pantomime for um, sad, depressed? We see that several times. Yeah, so, I mean, in this production, it would be this gesture with the hand and um, like going through the face, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you, it's also it's the way you actually do that gesture. You need to do it in a way that like your head is pending this way so you look like you're sad mm -hmm. uh, instead of being this way that would look like you're proud, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so then the prince is... Um, led by the lilac fairy to discover the prince, the sleeping princess and wakens her and happily ever after happens and then, whoops, there's one more act. Um, and you get to do this wonderful set piece, the, the wedding pas de deux, which is often done on galas and around. Um, yeah. The actual pas de deux, uh, is it one of the more difficult of the classical pas de deux? Um, it's it's pretty basic in the sense that uh, it's, it, there's not many difficult steps. There's this very famous diagonal of fish dives that, that's, that can be quite challenging. You need to arrange it with your partner in a way that it works out. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, I wouldn't say it's a really, the part of the per se, like when the, the guy and the girl are dancing together, it's not necessarily the hardest beside the diagonal. Um, the whole thing for the prince is it's actually the hardest part of the ballet. Whereas for the princess, it's probably the easiest because, you know, she's danced for three hours at this point, so she must be exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> and so they give her a little bit of a break. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it's a very, um, I want to say maybe deceptively, but it's fairly simple. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. It is very simple in the sense that it's, it gives that sense of royalty, like <laughs> very simple gestures that very simple steps, but that can be very effective if done yeah. as simple as you can. Yeah. And perfectly. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, well, while we've got you here in conversation, um, obviously, Helgi Thomason, the artistic director, puts a classic full length in every season yeah. because it's good for the audience and it's good for the company. But we also do this wonderfully wide range of contemporary yeah. and neoclassical works. Um, I, so sort of as a segue, compare the preparation that you, you've already said that you use your classical training, even when you're doing the more contemporary pieces. But let's say you're in the Unbound Festival last spring. Um, how are your classes and your preparations going to be any different? than knowing that you're going to have to get on stage and do the prints. Yeah, so it, it, it really depends. Like, if, if I'm doing a classical ballet like Sleeping Beauty or Swan Lake or whatever that is, um, my training tends to be very even in the sense that I, I try to construct, you know, my class as, like, very simple, square, 
uh, that I don't know if it makes any sense, but it's yeah as simple as possible. Whereas you know if I'm doing some balancing or some more you know neoclassical work, I try to 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 find more syncopation in the training in the class and try to be to make my exercises a bit faster because maybe you need to be you need to use a little bit more speed in those ballets, but. Overall, when it comes to like the whole preparation process uh, for classical ballet, you do, you know the, the first thing is like you don't need anybody to teach you the choreography, right? Like I'm, I know the entire rap at this point, so if I have to do Swan Lake, I can rehearse now. I know the choreography. Nobody needs to teach me the choreography. Whereas if I have to do in a classical ballet, the first week usually you you have to learn the steps. So you you can't even prepare yourself for the rehearsal because it's like I would I wouldn't know what I have to do. So um, that's the, that's one of the major differences when it comes to rehearsals, um, and also there's something to be said about you know when you do the prints or you do a main role in a classical ballet, you have you are on stage for you know few acts. Mm -hmm. Like for this prints, it's like probably two hours in total, uh, probably a bit less than two hours. But for Swan Lake, it's three hours. So you you have to be able to have enough stamina and enough also concentration to be there for three hours and you know really be there and be aware of what's happening around you. Whereas for a neoclassical ballet, most of the times it's 30, 40 minutes. Right. So you go out there, you do your thing, and it's much shorter. And more intense, maybe. More intense, in a way, but also it's like in one go. Whereas for yeah. the prints, for instance, you come in for second act, and you have to be ready and warm, and then you have a long time to wait before you come back to get right. married, and, and yes. you have to keep yes. it up. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we can look forward to seeing you in um, the next repertory programs coming up. I know, um, if I can pull it out of my head, um, the Christopher Wielden work, yes. Bound 2, you, you, we'll see you in that. Um, what kind of movement does that ask you to do? Yeah, so uh, that would be like, I mean, I would say a neoclassical kind of style, um, more you know, tending towards the contemporary, mm -hmm. I want to say. Um, I'm actually, uh, I, do, I do very little uh, in the group sections. Uh, it's, it's an ensemble piece. There's nobody that really stands out. Um, but uh, I, have, I have this uh, part of, that I want to say it's the major part of the ballet, I guess, with uh, Yuan Yuan Tan. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a special moment also because dancing with her, it's really, it's, it's, it's really nice. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Wilden, yeah. And, except that, are, do you have to carry the phone yeah. around? Yeah, yeah, carrying the phone around. So you have that to look forward to in another couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and then we're also looking forward to seeing you in the, uh, just, um, yeah, Justin just Peck's Rodeo. Yeah. What kind of, that's just all men. Except that's all men and a woman, yeah, yeah, that I got to dance with. <laughs> but, <laughs> the only uh, that's one. like dance, 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 dance. Yeah, that's a lot of dancing, and uh, uh, it's really a showcase of male technique. Um, you know, most of the times, you know, most of the pieces, also because there's way more female dancers than male dancers in companies, usually, especially in the past. You know, like Serenade, for instance, if you think of that, it's like mostly women. Uh, and there's like two or three guys. Whereas in this piece, it's like it's the complete opposite. So it's kind of nice to see a, co a nice big core of uh, male dancers dancing around. Yeah. Absolutely. It's an exciting piece. And then a highlight, I think, of the end of the season will be the Shostakovich trilogy. Yeah. 
And uh, we did that, what, a couple years ago? Yeah, that was my first, yeah. I, I did it here five years ago, mm. yeah. So, wow. And um, it's in three different, it's, it's an evening yeah. length, so it's kind of like three different ballets. Yeah. But they're all Shostakovich, and the choreography is all yeah. Ratmansky. Yeah. So how is his choreography I, I am a huge fan of Ratmansky. I think it's uh, one of the best choreographers to these days. Uh, I really have fun. I, I always had fun working with him. It's really challenging. And I think his choreographers are really interesting, and there's a lot you can learn from. Um, that evening in particular, I think it's a very good evening. It's three different works uh, that all have this, you know, common line of the Sostakovich music. Uh, but it's really three different, like you, you come, you sit, and it's completely different one from the other, different scenarios, different atmosphere. So it, I think it's a great evening, actually, of dance. And it's strictly just great music, good dancing, and that's it. Like, that's ballet, period. So you don't get to stop until the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm going to interject a question before we let the audience ask questions, because this is one the audience often asks. Um, what does a dancer's day look like? And I was thinking, um, here you are, you have the night off. So yeah. did you get the day off? Uh, no, I mean, actually, kind of. <laughs> Too bad, sorry. <laughs> Your friends backstage are going. Yeah, actually, I kind of had the day off. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I danced last night, so uh, today I, I went in uh, to take class, mostly because uh, the day after a show, you kind of want to do a training, like a, a training session for yourself just to clean up the mess from the night before basically <laughs> yeah so you want you, you you know you wake up in the morning and you feel a little bit you know on the tight side so you want to stretch a bit you want to try and lengthen the legs and the muscles and try and feel like you're back to yourself uh, and then since I'm dancing again on Sunday today I kind of decided to let it go and uh, I guess tomorrow I'll do a little bit of rehearsal. But in this particular case, like we, we're towards the end of the run of Sleeping Beauty and most of the ballets that are coming back uh, in two weeks, like for the next program, are ballets that we've performed already in DC or that we recently performed. So we're not really in a rush of putting them back together. Otherwise, I would have been in the studio rehearsing for those ballets. Yeah. So, and I was looking at the rehearsal board and there certainly have been rehearsals yeah. for all of the works that are coming Because up. there's also two new works from Liam, Scarlett, and uh, Posokov. Right, and those are coming right up in the next yeah. few weeks. and those need to be rehearsed because they've never been performed. So Yes, so it's not, not an unbusy time. No, no. It is for me, but, <laughs> but for other people it's not. Uh, we did save some time for them to ask questions. So are, do folks have questions for Carla? I'll repeat the question. Um, she wants to know if you do anything uh, cross-training, basically, anything to supplement your ballet classes. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's a very personal uh, subject, meaning, not personal subject, but, uh, you know, everybody's different on this subject. Uh, me, personally, I try to just do ballet because I think that is the one thing I know how to do and and it's the one thing that keeps my body healthy. Um, I know there's a lot of people that like to bike, they like to run, they like to lift weights, Pilates, you name it, they do it. Um, I don't really do that. No, no, no. I just do ballet. Yeah. That's a testament to the actual ballet training. Which is yeah, I, I also find that there's, 
there's something very specific about ballet is that you have to be strong, but you also need to have a certain aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you need to be skinny, you need to be lean, you need to put those tights on. So I, you don't want, you know, you, you want yeah, to look right. like a dancer. Right. And I find that sometimes, you know, I've had instances where, you know, I was trying to cross train to be stronger and everything, and you put the tights on and you, it shows. Oh, interesting. Let's look over here and then we'll come back. Anybody over here? Don't want to leave anybody out. Okay, um, up here. How about this one right there first, and then we'll get back. Oh, that's an interesting question. When you are not scheduled to perform, do you stay and watch the performance? And you can maybe expand on the value yeah. of actually yeah. watching your colleagues. Yeah, uh, so um, tonight I have to stay, actually, because uh, I'm covering the show, meaning if anything were to go terribly wrong, you'll see me with the wig on. <laughs> <laughs> But hopefully, I mean, I know everything will be fine. Um, I actually never, uh, I, I, I tend to go and watch the performance from the boxes, uh, but I tend not to watch what I have to do, because for whatever reason, if I see my other cast doing my part, I realize how exposed I am, and I just freak out badly. So I don't want to see what it looks like from the front. Um, but for instance, first act, I can see because I'm not in it, so I can, I can go out there and watch it. Uh, I tend to watch my peers in rehearsal because, you know, we're in the studio. It's, a, it's more of a friendly environment in a way. Yeah. Interesting. We've got a couple other folks who are so... Maybe, maybe we could come back to... Okay, uh, sir. He's picking apart the uh, magic of theater here. The question was... Um, we've met you and all your friends in your court, but when it comes time for your wedding, where did they all go? Um, I'm afraid know, that's a actually. kind of a practice. <laughs> I'm going to say that the girls have all had to, well, not all of them, change into other costumes because yeah, there's a lot I mean, of double casting. Logistically, yeah. But in terms of, of the story, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I guess they were not real friends after all. <laughs> I'm going to go look that up. Of course, in in the original Mariinsky Ballet, where this was premiered in 1890, the company probably had 200 people, so they could probably pack the stage with yeah lots of yeah lots of people. people yeah. Um, okay, there was one other question there. Yeah, the question was: since the Sleeping Beauty is mostly classical technique, what do you focus on when you're interpreting the part? I think did I get that right? Yeah. Um, it is classical technique and. Um, the first step is to get through it, meaning managing the actual choreography. And I, I know it may seem uh, weird, but it's even if it's something that we do every day in class, when you put all those steps together, it's not necessarily just, you know, you click your fingers and you do it. Uh, it takes a little bit of time to get used to the different version or the choreography, the particular step put in that particular, you know, piece of the music. Um, so the first step would be to, to actually get through it. Like you, you learn the choreography, like, you know, you practice the choreography until you have it down. And then, you know, while you do that, you can start thinking of like, what do you want to say with the sprints? What do you want to say with the role? Uh, but I would say that those are two processes that go hand to hand. Like, you know, they move along together. Maybe we can get your second half of your question. Okay, it's, you're probably going to... 
mean, you're going to yeah, be able to finesse this. I know you are. <laughs> um, the question is, when you are dan when you are partnered with a variety of different ballerinas, um, how does that work out? <laughs> okay, so um, it, you know, like. I feel like I enjoy dancing with all the girls I ended up dancing with. Um, with some of them, I feel like I'm the one that is in charge in the sense that I maybe have more experience so I can, you know, I can offer something to them and they can more follow what I have to say. Whereas in, in other cases, you know, I've, I dance with Sofiane or with Yuan Yuan. Those are people that have a lot of experience. So they are more the ones in charge in the sense that they would be like, you know, let's do it this way, and I just respect their opinion because they're more experienced than me. Um, I find that overall I enjoy much more dancing with uh, not older dancers, but people that have more experience than me because I find that I learn from them much more. Um, yeah, but it, and it also depends from what kind of ballets we're talking about. Like if it's a classical ballet, maybe... I prefer dancing with somebody. If it's, you know, a contemporary ballet, I prefer dancing with somebody else. It really depends from the piece. But I wouldn't say that I have one favorite, no. That was well put. I'm, a f <laughs> I'm sorry, I think we have arrived at the end of our time. We always get little subtle hints from behind us. And um, so I want to say, Carlo, it's always just a pleasure to be in conversation with you. And yeah. I know the audience enjoys all the things you have to say. I know this audience is going to love seeing Sleeping Beauty this evening. Um, thank you all. And we look forward to seeing you at the next opportunity. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.